All right, everybody, welcome to the Disco Posse podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host, and this is a particularly special episode because we get to welcome a brand new partner to the show. This is a brand new sponsorship, and I'm super proud, and I wanted to make sure that I use the opportunity to share it with, in fact, the very guest who I'm hosting today was J.R. Butler, who's the CEO and founder of Shift Group. So without really leaking the whole story, it's fantastic. No, seriously, it's good. You got to listen to this. JR is a really, really fantastic human. He and his team are doing really neat stuff around helping folks transition from elite sports into elite sales leadership, including setting them up with training and, and, and teaching them. It's, it is amazing. So Hey, let's just get right to the good stuff here because I want to say that this week's episode of the Disco Posse podcast is brought to you by Shift Group. Shift Group is turning athletes into sales professionals. Is your company looking to hire driven, competitive former athletes or considering how to architect a go-to-market that can scale efficiently and effectively? Shift Group not only offers a large pool of diverse sales candidates from entry level to leadership, but they help early stage startup companies in developing their hiring strategy, interview process, and build strong sales cultures that attract the best talent for early stage startups. Reach out to the Shift Group over at shiftgroup.io or drop an email right to JR. He's JR at shiftgroup.io. They specialize in identifying the best talent in the market that works with you to create a culture of resiliency, focus, discipline, coachability, competitiveness, and work ethic. That's cool. Uh, I'm a fan definitely of what JR and the team are doing. Oh, and speaking of sponsors, I also, of course, all of them. Who would we be without supporting our amazing friends over at Veeam Software? So if you want to check out everything you need for your data protection needs while you're building your fantastic sales organization, make sure that you head on over to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. They've got a lot of amazing stuff coming up. They've got Veeam on. They've got all sorts of live events that you're going to be seeing the Veeam booth at. So do check it out. Go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. Alrighty, now let's get to the fun stuff. This is J.R. Butler of The Shift Group on the Disco Posse podcast. Hey, this is J.R. Butler. I'm the CEO and founder of Shift Group, and you're listening to the Disco Posse podcast. waiting for the day that we could put this together jr and it's uh life is happening fast in like really interesting ways but it's like slow and fast and so thank you very much for jumping on because i've always thought there's going to be a time when you and i could jump on mic together and really talk about the stuff that you've you've always done as like a practice and as methods that i've seen you put into play and now to see that you went even further and you, you now you're building a business around it. So this is fantastic. So for folks that are new to you, JR, because I've been lucky enough to spend a bunch of time with you in my life. And uh, if you want to give a quick bio and an intro, and then we're going to jump in, we're going to talk about the shift group and uh, what it's all about. Absolutely, Eric. I'm, uh, I, I grew up in the, in the Worcester, Massachusetts area. Um, grew up in, in athletics, played football, hockey, baseball, big hockey, big hockey family. Uh, my father was a high school hockey coach for 
30 years. So that was my, that was my destiny. I got to play in a, in a hometown college division one, both my brothers played division one. Um, and then I got right into tech right after school. Um, was lucky enough to grow up in the on the technology belt in Massachusetts, so was surrounded by it, and ended up uh, at an EMC VMware Cisco reseller right out of school. So most people start on the product side. I was lucky enough to start on the partner side, um, and then you know spent about seven years there, and then uh, like you, was lucky enough to come across a small little company in Boston called VM Turbo at the time. Um, cool. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I joined it as a as a sales rep for New England. And, um, you know, the rest is history. I was there for, you know, six, six years and change. Um, got to grow with, with the company when I joined. It was less than less than 50 employees, I believe. Um, we were in the Burlington office. Um, and then, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, running commercial teams. Then I was lucky enough to move into enterprise. And then um, my last role there before I left, Eric, I was doing the strategy and operations gig. Um, and then I and then I got an opportunity to do a even earlier stage company as a chief revenue officer for the last uh, two years and change. So I got to partner with a technical founder and help him really shape his go to market, his messaging, his, uh, <clears throat> his sales process, all the things that I really enjoy doing. Uh, helping them start to build a team. Um, and then, you know, uh, you know, got inspiration to start shift group, which we can get into today. And that's kind of where I'm at, to, where I'm at. We just launched, officially launched the company um, last week, but we've been kind of doing some stuff in stealth. So we've got some really good success stories and testimonials. So we got to go to market with a lot of different wins. And now we're, we're focused on what I've been focusing on my whole career, which is scaling the business. Um, now the only difference now is it's, it's my business. <laughs> well, congratulations, man. You, uh, it's earned and deserved the opportunity. And I also know that it's, uh, this isn't, this is the start line of the marathon. Like this is, people always say that, like when you hear funding announcements or people that are founding a company, people are like, yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. And at the same time, I know, like, I know what it means. This is, the hard yards start now. And in fact, they already started because the the announcement is never the beginning of the work. It's the beginning of the publicity that this is it's on. And it's it's impressive to watch, you know, the process that you build up. And it's funny when I look at our own, you know, time that we shared together, you have a unique ability to deliver both on just like doing the thing as well as building the process around doing the thing. And it's rare. A lot of people are really like, they can go out, they can sell, they press flesh, they do the relationship sale, they can do a lot of those things. They know that that experience and they can do it every day. They, they, they grind it out and they know that this quarter has got to be bigger than last quarter. And it's like, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. I got a massive respect for people that are that are in quota carrying sales, but they often struggle with like, oh, you got to put the stuff in Salesforce. You got to build a team. You got to make sure you're doing your your look aheads. You got to make sure like all the stuff that you got to do. They almost like that gets in the way of them doing what they're doing sometimes. And you 
split that line. And then on the, I'll say on the other side of it too, you got the sort of the sales ops and the and the process builders who are like, oh, if only the salespeople would do what we asked them to do, we could get better visibility into you know future bookings and like you're trying to build a business. So to split that line, it's a it's a real sort of unicorn type of rarity. Yeah, I mean, I think there you that a lot of people don't realize that there is a difference between between being in the business and being on the business. That's kind of how I how I describe what you're talking about and I think it's it's really critical to be able to do both. Um, you know, especially as a as a as a CEO, as a founder, like, you know, you 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 become especially when you're small Right. You're, you're the face of the company in most cases, um, but you're also the one that has to go and execute. So, you know, it's something that I've always paid attention to. And, and like I'm I'm kind of building it in to my operational cadence. And I always have been 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 able to do that where, you know, even as a sales rep, you know, process was so critical for me and, and for me to be successful. Um, and processes about your cadence, how you operate your your daily schedule. I, maybe it comes from being an athlete my whole life, but you know the way that I've always kind of made sure to balance the two is by is by you know blocking off time for both. Right, like you have to just make you just have to make time to take a step back and think about strategy and think about you know process, but then you also have to make time to go out and execute it. Um, so that's that's kind of how I I've always done it in my head is is by blocking really literally blocking time for both in my in my weekly, monthly, quarterly schedule. You know what I mean? Well, now you get the the interesting add on of you know, being wholly and solely responsible for the outcome in, in a sense. Right. As the CEO, you're the CEO is always the CRO at the beginning. And it's an interesting mix and I've worked like I'm an advisor to another startup and watching this thing where literally like technical founder, two technical advisors, two developers and going to market <clears throat> in really big, like B2B, but big B, like really yeah. big B sales. And it's, it's wild. It's a very David versus Goliath. And this, split of being a CEO, building strategy, building a product at the same time, being a technical founder and watching that, like, how do you go in and then pitch, but then build. And then like, you know, even just looking at raw sales, you know, and like I, I learned from you, you know, live the other side, like get on the phone, figure out that like I read Jeb Blunt and I like followed these folks that are leaders and I learned about golden hours and I learned about you know, what it takes to make this machine work. And like you said, it's this, like, you just got to be fanatical. Like, I don't feel like working out today, but that ice is waiting. And okay. if I don't work out, then there's no choice, right? It means that tomorrow's going to be a worse day. Today's a bad day, but tomorrow will be worse if I don't do what I need to do today. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's, it can get hard because you know you want to be focused on the strategy and the vision, um, but the but the best way to build the strategy and the vision is like what you said. It's going out and having those conversations, asking those questions. You know, losing losing not losing customers, but but like people telling you like, hey, this is interesting, but uh, it's not it's not quite there yet. I'm not ready to invest with you as a as a customer. 
Um, I think that's that's where you learn the most, even as a technical founder. You know, I, I, I've always believed and I think we experienced it, you know, a, a, an amazing example at Turbo where the, be the best founders build companies to solve the problems that they faced. Right. So so which is a great thing. But the challenge with that is is sometimes that problem shows up in a different way to different people. So as a founder, you you when you're when you're building something to solve your own problem, you have to also be able to take a step back and figure out how other people view that problem, right? right. Um, and the best way to do that is conversations. And I think, you know, those those founders that do that end up building amazing companies when they're solving their own problem because they're passionate about it, but also being you know self aware enough to understand like, okay, how how do other people think about this? Um, and, and how do they want to solve it and then building a product to kind of meet, meet the market essentially, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the, it's a very interesting balance. Uh, and I mean, look, it's the innovators dilemma is, is one of those sort of oft quoted things that this idea they get sort of like locked into vision and forgetting to then take feedback and that feedback loop of getting out, getting in conversations. And, and it's a weird thing too. You also have to create business. And I remember, you know, even, you know, someone you'll know, of course, uh, Shmuel uh, Klieger, who's the founder of, of, you know, one of the founding team at, at then VM Turbo and then Turbonomic. We're at an event one time and and everybody from sales was coming back from, you know, it was like VM world or something. And they're like, yeah, I just had a great conversation with this person. And it's like, I was like, yeah, we're having really great conversations. Hey, how's, how's your day going? Yeah, we're having really good conversation. He finally just goes, guys, time out, time out. Time out. You don't build a business on conversations. You build it on deals. <laughs> Stop having conversations. And it, it was this funny thing of like, you know, the conversation isn't the outcome. The business is the outcome. You know, what did the conversation do to further your path towards that outcome? And sometimes we get lost. And now as a founder, you know, you you'll be intimately aware of, you know, being able to put that into action. And you got the skin in the game, which is uh, a very important and, and respectful thing that you're doing to make sure that you're responsible for the outcome. Yeah. A, a very smart guy once told me to build a great company, the vision has to be clear and the execution has to be obvious. Uh, do you know who told me that, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> We've hopefully got. You hopefully, you remember that conversation a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. Conversations are critical, but what's the outcome of that conversation, and what is the next step? Right. That's that's really what 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 it comes down to in terms of getting to that 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 kind of golden nugget of of revenue is moving the ball forward in those conversations to a next step to a, an eventual like investment in your product. Right. So. Um, and, 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 and it happens in different ways at different companies. And, you know, I'm figuring that out at shift group. I, you know, and I, that's what I've kind of done my whole career is figured out how, what is this, how did this, how do these conversations have to play out in order to get to the outcome that I want? And then you, then you can start to shape the conversations, ask the right questions, you know, and then, and position your solution to the problem the right way. It's and those conversations are, are important but the next steps are the most important part of it for sure.
Yeah, this is the interesting thing. And now, so the we've sort of talked a bit about this idea of like splitting the line between being in the business and being on the business, the idea of understanding the personality it takes to, you know, go out and be on the ice, out in the fields, you know, wherever it is on the mountain is my, I say proudly wearing my UBC shirt. My oldest daughter is at UBC and she was eighth in Canadian nationals for snowboard freestyle, uh, so slope style rather. And watching that, like what it takes to make that happen and fitting it in when no one's paying you. Right. Like really just saying, like, I care so much about this that I'm willing to throw myself on it. And so there's this dedication that's required in athletics. But then when you move over to sales, it's like, ah, you start to see them align. And and so let's talk about shift group. What is the what's the the founding premise and the vision that that made you bring shift group to the market? So, you know, I'm sure a lot of founders say this, but I, I honestly believe, Eric, that this was like my destiny to, to start this company. Um, you know, when I when I I my entire like first 23 years of my life was dedicated to athletics, um, you know, mainly hockey, playing at the division one level. You know, I wanted to play professional hockey. So everything I did in my entire life was about that. Right. And you're right. You don't get paid for it. And, 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 you know, the, the, I, I think any young hockey player, you know, you're not, you're not playing hockey to make millions of dollars. You, you just want to be on that, that big stage with the big names and, you know, the money comes with that, of course, but that's really not what it's about. Um, but when, when it's gone, when you dedicate I and mean, your daughter's going to go through this experience someday, you know, um, when, when your sport is over, when you don't have that anymore, it's not unlike losing a loved one. Like it's, it's something that you, you wake up thinking about every morning, you know, you think about it before you go to bed. Um, and then just one day, you know, it's, it's gone. So, you know, that transition for me was, was very, very hard. I remember it well. Um, I struggled with it. I struggled in a, in a really personal, personal way. You know, I went to some pretty dark places and honestly, I didn't really come out of that dark place until I realized that just because I wasn't a professional hockey player doesn't mean I'm not a professional. So it was probably honestly a few years into my career before I, I kind of had that epiphany that I wanted to be a professional salesperson. And when that when I made that decision, I, I got a lot of the the things that I missed when I was a hockey player. Right. The dedication, the growth, the competition, you know, the the getting better every single day at something and working on something that athletes need that in their life. So the, the first reason I started the company is because I wish somebody explained that to me when I was 23 years old, right? Like that's, yeah. you know, so I want to just get in front of these athletes and I want them to know that one, they're super marketable because of what they've been through. And two, you know, this transition doesn't have to be a hard one. You know, you can, it can be smooth. Uh, the second reason is is my experience, honestly, at at Turbo and then at Pillar, trying to hire salespeople. Right, like it's 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 really hard to to interview somebody and know that they're resilient and they can handle rejection. To know that competition motivates them. To know that they're they're gonna do the work and they have the work ethic to do the work. Um, to know that they're coachable. Right, like that's so important. Right. 
early on in a career, you've got to be able to take constructive criticism and not take it personally. And then you've got to have a growth mindset. Like you can't be a fixed person that doesn't think you can get better at something that doesn't take feedback, you know, and I, I, I kind of consider intellectual curiosity as part of growth mindset that doesn't necessarily show up like that in sports. But I think in sports, you're like, you're working on weaknesses constantly. And I think, you know, that's how intellectual curiosity will show up in sales because you're going to have a lot of weaknesses at first. Like everything is going to be a weakness. So like when I thought about those days when we were really building a turbo and hiring, you know, hundreds of BDRs a quarter, um, I, I, th I think about like, that's what I was looking for in our candidates. And I know as a former athlete, as a coach, I, you know, as somebody who grew up in a house with a coach, you know, and two brothers that, that went on to play division one and a brother that played in the NHL and the Olympics athletes at that level, like your daughter's level, they have all those things. They have to, you don't get to that level without resiliency, competitiveness, coachability, work ethic, and a growth mindset. So, you know, the second reason I started the company is because I want to find folks like me, you know, seven years ago at Turbo looking for those people. I That's all I have, yeah. you know, in my, in my candidate pool is those types of people. Um, and honestly, Eric, and I think you'll appreciate this the most is, you know, I, I, I'm a first generation college graduate. Right. And, and when you grow up in a certain way, like there's certain limiting beliefs on like on like what's available to you. OK, so like, you know, the the third reason I started the company is because I just want kids like me when I was 23 to realize, you know, you don't have to you, you know, there's there's this industry in technology where if you're willing to work hard and you're willing to be coachable, you can have incredible success. And whatever that means to you, whether it's financial, whether it's leadership, you know, whether it's, you know, not everybody's going to get to be part of a company that exits for $2 billion, right? right? But the reality is, is if you try and you go and build that, there's, there's going to be things in your life that you can accomplish that you never thought possible. So I want, I want kids like me that were sociology majors with minors in art history and sign language. And, and I, you know, I didn't have a computer when I was in college. It's a different time than now, but you know, and now I've been selling technology for 15 years and I'm actually pretty good at it. Like I, I I'm actually pretty technical because I've done the work and I've been intellectually right. curious. So I just want people, I, you know, I want people to know about this industry, like non-technical people, right? Probably, you know, less folks in your audience who, who really get excited about it. But I believe that you can you can kind of come into it a little later in life in your 20s and you can get excited about it. And the, the opportunity is amazing. Like if you look at the numbers, the, the tech industry is two times larger in GDP than the financial services and, and insurance industry. Right. When I tell people that they're like, no way. And I show them the, yeah. then I show them the data. numbers, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, what do you think the financial services and industry and insurance industry is running on? They're running on technology. And that's and that's only going to grow. Like you, you see this amazing, you know, it's a buzzword we talk about a lot. Right. Digital transformation. But it's it's a it's true. Right. Like software is truly eating the world. And the, the engineers, the developers, 
those people are critical. They're critical for, for this to continue. But just as critical are guys and girls like me that are that are that have the type of personalities and the type of like resiliency and ability to handle rejection to bring all these amazing technologies to market. Um, so just honestly, it's it's helping athletes transition, helping companies find great candidates and making sure that people are aware of this industry and, and what it can what it can afford you as a human being. That, that's that's why I started the company. And it's a, it's a beautiful, you know, proof in the execution in your own life. And, and, in a lot of, we see a lot of folks that have this opportunity and I love your line, right? I don't have to be a professional hockey player to be a professional. That's the mindsets built the, the, in a similar way too, there's like coaches and I often, you know, see saying that many really amazing coaches that were not really amazing athletes, but they had a skill that was understanding the business, understanding the re what's required to build a team, to create an, a strategy on field, off field, and be able to do this and then be able to motivate people, be able to understand the human aspect, the really true, like they're basically therapists and, and behavioral psychologists that are able to drive people. There's in athletics, I find it's a very different thing. Like the military is often used as the the like the the thing that we define as success in business is often related to military. We use military references all the time. And I'm on the other side, like I'm always using athletic references and cycling references because it's like it's much more meaningful to me, having never, you know, had exposure to the military personally. And I've got a huge respect, obviously, and, and to all those that that serve and give that as their they dedicate their lives to that. It's amazing, you know. But I've I was on the other side of it. I was much more like I wanted to have no format, no <laughs> machine, and I wanted to be able to create something where it didn't exist. And I'm not an athlete, which is hilarious because like I <laughs> I ride a bike far more than most people would think is normal, but far less than anybody that I think of as a cyclist. So I have this interesting bar. So I'll be really good. When I was in cycling on a team, when I was living way back in, in Vancouver, BC and, and, you know, riding up mountains when people are riding down them, it was me. It was the challenge. It was the idea that the moment it points up on the hill, people just say like, I'm, uh, this isn't a ride I want to be on. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. You know, like get, get on my wheel. And it was less about me completing the task, but more about when I rode in a team, I never planned to finish a race. My whole goal was to ruin the day for most of that field so that the guy behind me, who's on my team that I know is going to finish the race can sit in my wind and then take it. Right. So I could do the best that I could do. I wasn't going to be the guy on the podium. I never even wanted to be it. You know, I just I wanted to make sure that that my team got there and that was my dedication. So in a way, like some of that military stuff came through in that I was willing to sacrifice myself for the greater good. And 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 I enjoyed it. You know, you don't you don't show up in the in the roles, you know, for uh, great finishing times. But there is an honor in doing that. And, and the same thing. And so in athletics, when you take that into business, it is really that you're not the star 
The customer is the star. That's the story you're exposing. That's the thing you're bringing out. And, and you've always really, really personified that ability to do that. Yeah. And, and, and one of the, one of the really fun things about this business, Eric, is I get to, I get to plant the seeds of like how I view sales to, to, to kids that are really just starting to get into it. And I think, you know, mindset and the way you view selling is really critical for, for like, you know, a foundation for your career. So like we, we do, we have like a, an LMS that we, these, these kids go through training with us. And when we talk about like the role of a salesperson, you know, we're not talking about, you know, haunting people or like being, (laughs) being pushy or anything like that. We're really about, you know, the thing that I, I explained to these guys is, you know, software exists to solve problems. That's it. That's, that's why people don't buy software because it's cool. They buy software because it solves a problem. And your job as a salesperson is to identify that problem in your customer. And sometimes you have to help them identify that problem, right? I think the best companies in the world solve problems that customers don't realize they have. Um, so being able to pull that problem out of a customer and, and, and be really like, you know, smart about how you do that is critical. You can't tell somebody that they have a problem. You have to, you know, help them get there themselves. So we teach that. We teach, you know, making sure that when, when once you solve that problem, you then have to tie it to, to their business, to their role, and really understanding how does the problem show up for them, right? And then, you know, then as a salesperson, you should be spending most of your time once once the, the person agrees with you that they have the problem and they and you've identified it in a way that they can understand it for their industry, their company, and their role, your job is to is to help them with them, partner with them, you know, capture the value of solving that problem. If you do those three things, you identify the problem, you make it relevant to them, and you help them like document the value of solving it, then, you know, the sales will come, right? You know, that then, you know, then comes all the qualification and, you know, negotiation and et cetera. But if, if, if you're just coming in and forcing something on somebody because you believe it and they don't, that's not, that's not, that's not really, that's, that's why salespeople have a bad, sometimes can get a bad rap, right? Like you've right. got to come, you've got to come from the customer's perspective. And I love that I get to, you know, release these salespeople into the wild with that mindset. I think, I hope that I'm building like a, like a, like a, like a small part of a generation of sellers that are really customer centric people. Um, and, and I'm, I'm super excited to watch them in their career and grow and see how, how that foundation helps them in their success as salespeople. The, the high performance mindset translates to other things. It's just like even fantastic sales teams and sales, you know, people, the thing they sell can change what they've got is the mindset. So you throw whatever it is at it, right? So, you know, people always joke, Michael Jordan was a a really bad baseball player. No, he was not an MLB level, like he was MLB level, but he was a decent MLB player. He was yeah. not the best player on it. So like people kind of railed on MJ, like, ah, oh, yeah, look at that. He's a, he's a garbage baseball player. You're like, you realize he's playing at 
in the elite of the elite that it's, you know, like the guy that finishes last at the Tour de France, still better than any other rider that I'm ever going to ride with in my life. <laughs> and he's going to finish like seven hours behind the guy in first place. Right. You know, the, the women's Tour de France, I remember this thing. I, when I was living in BC, I used to ride and I was like, there's a lot of pro cyclists out there, really an elite level cyclists that aren't even pro they're Neo pro. And, you know, so they'll be category two, category one, top level amateur athlete. So maybe getting a little bit of sponsorship, I know, or like a little bit of sort of basically a stipend for riding a bike. And I rode with the giant women's road team on a, a training ride. I just happened to be out on a ride and they're really great because they kind of let just people jump on the train, right? So you're out there and there's, there's 10 of them. And there was me and one other guy that were just out random ride on a Sunday morning. And we end up on this big, like they were doing interval loops. They were doing really, really wild stuff and hearing their coach with them saying like, if you don't feel like you're going to throw up, you're not pushing hard enough. And it was like, Oh yeah, no problem. We're got, I got that feeling, right? Like, so I was riding with, you know, female athletes and could barely hang on. And it's, people don't get that. It's like, men, women, elite, you know, top level athlete versus, a, you know, a really good amateur, whatever it is, they're at a level that is different and they're willing to do stuff that gets them there and pushes them beyond it. And this idea of sort of like being better than yesterday, whatever it's going to be like that, that mindset, you're going to be sick one day. You're going to, you're going to train all year for an Ironman. And then three days before you get the flu and it's over. And to be able to still get out there and do it, like finish 438th, just because you got to know that you got through it. And then knowing that next year, like I'm going to do it. I'm just, I got to keep going. You get back on the bike, you get back out on the, on the field, you do whatever it takes you know, that's, there's this, I love that mindset. I wish I had it. I mean, I wish I had, I, I, I wish I had more of it, but I, you can spot it in people. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, Eric, no, no offense, but you do have it. It's shown up in, in your, in your tech career, right? Like you're, you're constant, you're, you're, you're constantly learning. You're constantly growing. You're constantly trying to understand things. I mean, the fact that you've read Jeb Blunt is all I need to know about like your hunger for getting better and understanding you know, the, the industry as a whole, right? Seeing both sides of it as a technical person, really diving into that, that sales, that marketing side, you know, you've, you've definitely shown that, but I, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's why, you know, that's one of the reasons I, I think this is going to be a special, a special business is the same reason Turbo was the same reason I think Pillar is going to be is because of the product, right? The, the product that we bring to market are, are they're elite human beings. Like it's not easy to have a, a division one college decide to pay for your entire education. Like you had to, you had to be a special person and yes, of course there's natural talent, right? Like I think I have right. some natural talent in sales um, in terms of like, you know, just talking to people, being an extrovert, all those types of things. But there's a lot of work that goes into refining that. And I, I think a lot of it for me, I, you know, I grew up around it, right? My, with a coach as a father, um, with a, a little brother who 
you know, from day one, you know, I asked my dad when he knew my brother was going to play in the NHL. And he said he knew when he was seven. But that said, my brother was in the driveway with me every summer shooting pucks, you know, running, running sprints in our, in our, in our, in our street in front of our house, you know, like, yes, he was great, but he wanted to be better. He, and, and it, and it showed up every day. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons I think I'm, I'm excited about this company the same way I was excited about turbo and pillars. Cause I know that our product is unique. Our product just happens to be people this time, but these are really, really special people. Well, and if you think about, you know, now again, having gone through, you know, being in a growth startup, being on the outside as a, on the customer side of the world, like just watching it, watching the industry and learning how it works. And, and I worked in finance and, and insurance companies for a long time. I worked for a chemical company, an explosive company, which is kind of cool. And the first thing I did was I learned the business because then the technology mattered more to me, like understanding what the what the reason I was doing what I was doing. And that allowed me to sort of map and understand. And then when I got to Turbo, it was the same thing. I'm like, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay out of the sales side because I want to learn the customer story. And then very quickly, I realized like, you know, we're all in sales and it was, uh, that's a weird thing that a lot of people struggle with, especially technologists where you kind of get in this thing of like, no, 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 no. You know, I'm not in sales. Like, well, in a sense, we all are, we, we are always telling the story. We're always carrying the vision with us. And it, it, you may not be quota carrying, but you're, you're ultimately responsible. And in a weird way, like marketing teams are some of the sort of the, the unsung heroes often. I don't say that just because I work in a marketing team, but <laughs> these folks will have the same paycheck if you do 40 million or 4 million. But their goal is to get the people that will get you to 40 million what they need to get to 40 million, right? And as a quota carrying rep, there's a massive responsibility because you're generally, your base is, you know, your base is base <laughs> and your upside is self-imposed. So there's a very different responsibility. And then there's understanding and respecting the reason why each of us has that responsibility and that upside. So as a marketing team, I know like, hey, I don't have to grind it out every day for 720 days to make a deal happen. Right. But I also know there's a thing that I'm doing where I, I will be compensated more if I, I head towards this thing and it's like changing roles. And, and it's, it's a very interesting thing of crossing the boundary of what you do to understanding and empathizing with what others do. And, and I think that's what makes us good at understanding the customer story too, is that you can say like, hey, I'm here to sell technology, but you know, what's like, what's your day look like? What's, what's this thing that bugs you every day, you know? And you get them, they're like, oh man, you wouldn't believe I got this goofy thing that really just drives me nuts. And you're like, oh yeah, tell me about it. Like, I'm really curious. Like, what do you, how do you want to, how do you think you can fix that? I'm like, I don't know. And like, what well, we actually, and now all of a sudden you're like Ricky Roma. You're like, nah, I'm not going to show you these. I'm not going to show you this real estate. Like it's not really for you. And next thing you know, you know, you're, you're putting their hand on a pen and that pen's going onto a contract. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And not, not to overdo the sports analogies, but like, you know, it's, it, it, it is 
a lot like sports in that like everybody has a role, right? Like, and I, and I think athletes understand that inherently, like just cause you're not the one, you know, throwing the touchdown or scoring the goal, the, the, the part that you play, even if it's, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a great hockey player, right? I was, you know, in college, I, you know, my role was a locker room guy. Like I was there to, you know, keep, keep it light in the locker room, make sure everybody was still having fun, making sure the boys were all getting together, you know, those types of, but that's a critical role in a team and, and marketing plays a huge role and, you know, finance and, you know, the partner team. And, you know, you look at, you know, we used to have this, this um, diagram at Turbo that I would use with my team where the customer was the center, the account executive was kind of around the customer. And then outside of that was this whole organization. And how are you going to use the executives? How are you going to use, you know, the marketing team? How are you going to use um, sales operations? Like, and, and if you, if you don't bring everybody into a deal and, and to help that customer and the customer doesn't end up moving forward, you know, that that's on you. Like you didn't do your job of getting the whole team involved. Right. We talk about, you know, get everybody on the boat so that nobody's on shore. When the, if the boat sinks, you don't want someone on shore pointing at you and blaming you get them on the boat. So if the boat sinks, you, you know, you did everything. And I think marketing is critical to that. And, and, and everybody really is honestly, and everybody's selling really honest to God. Yeah. I think you're right on. When, and I think, you know, I, like this is your your go to market is what you're doing today, right? Obviously, you're taking you're bringing elite people into organizations because of their capabilities, and then you're giving them the tools they need to map it to the business and and deliver what that business needs, right? You're giving them a framework. You're giving them what they need. That's their playbook. That and and they literally will know a playbook, right? That's we we talk about that. There's a reason we call it a playbook because it it is learning, you know, just like, like a, a great MMA person isn't about the first punch they throw. It's about the seventh punch. They know they're going to get in when that guy throws the first one, because I'm going to come around the left and then I'm going to go under and then I'm going to pull him back and I'm going to get him on his heels and we're going to get close to the fence. Like they are looking at the seventh hit, not the first one, not the second, not the third. Like they know the playbook and they've run it through and they spar and they practice. And it's like, because so when you know that that's the thing, that's the deal closing that you know is the seventh hit. But there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen in between. And it may go, it may not go, right? The third punch may lead to you falling on your ass. And yeah. that means you're like, all right, what's the next play? Like immediately yeah. thinking, okay, what do I do? What do I learn from what just happened? Adjust, pivot, get ready, reapproach, right? Assess. And those that mentality comes through. So you get those elite players that are gonna come in. But then beyond this, right? And we've we've been I've been lucky enough to work with you on, you know, bulletproof sales, right? Taking that and making it a framework that maybe can be shared beyond just the direct people you're affecting. You know, there's a reason why I got books like Legacy by James Kerr, you know, talking about the All Blacks and their mentality and why the why the winners sweep the sheds and while the team goes to celebrate. And, you know, learning about 
this that coaching mentality that you coach like i coach little kids like i coach my my when my older kids were younger and i'm like my little kids i'm coaching them all the time right i got four kids you have to learn a lot about you know listening and coaching and 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 going through this but even teaching other parents you don't coach from the sideline you coach from the practice pitch yep. the sideline is where you just remind them to do the play they already know how to do and it's like so you can create that framework and then it goes far beyond just the athletes you can directly affect which is kind of cool yeah it's very it's very cool and 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 to steal from my, my friend john kaplan at force management right it's about you know you practice to the point where you're audible ready that's really what you're you're describing right because you want to get to that seventh punch but you know that you might not so if, if you don't, you just got to be ready for it. And the only way to be ready for it is practice. That's it. Like, that's all you can do is just work on it, work on it, work on it. And then when the game gets there, just go play, right? Just go, go execute. And, and you'll be ready. If you, if you did the work, you'll be ready. Right. And we see that all the time with great salespeople all the time. Now the, the challenge in the early stage startups, especially right. Hiring early, bringing somebody in that's got that elite mindset, but is then willing to grind it out. And I think that's really where the, the perfect pairing comes with the folks that you're, you're, you have in your roster, right? Is that they're going to be willing to do some uncomfortable shit for a long time before there's a payoff versus like, you know, I've seen it at business after business. We experienced it directly. You know, when you and I worked at Turbo, you bring in people, they're like, yeah, they work for a, like a $5 billion company. So obviously they know how to run a $5 billion sales team. And you're like, that's all they know how to run. They don't know how to run a $40 million sales team and get them to 5 billion. They, they're way later. They're great, fantastic people but they can't build the machine. They just get on the machine and they make sure it stays on. And they like, they do work that's in, impressive, but they're not going to be able to get in early because they come in. The first thing they think is, all right, where's my uh, $2 million budget? Uh, you know, where's my event team? Where's my swag, you know, supply? Like they know how to do good stuff, but then you walk in, you're like, I used to always tell people, okay, so imagine your greatest vision for what you want to execute. And now imagine you have no money and no people to do it. <laughs> now, how do we get this done? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it definitely takes a different, a different mindset, a different personality. You know, listen, when as big as Turbo got while I was there, I think oh, we, we crossed the 600 mark. That's the biggest company I've ever worked for, right? Like, so I don't, I don't even know what it's like to work at a big company, right? I, I don't know that I would fit. Like, like, and 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 listen, there's something to be said about that skill set. Like you said, that's still a special skill set to be able to take something that's large and like keep the keep the machine running the way it is. And there's something to be said about, you know, what I think I I I have, which is, you know, being able to work with some constraints and and help build something into that. So it's too very different things and and you're absolutely right i think our our candidates have amazing mindsets when it comes to building and growth and like just like being you know we talk we talk about being gritty all the time we talk about you know having i call it having jam like you either have jam or you don't and if you got jam you can you can get into those situations where you know it's going to be a long 
long, long path to like the outcome that you want. But, you know, you got to enjoy the process. And I think our, our candidates enjoy that process of building more, more so than probably most people. And, and again, I think this is why it's a, you know, it seems obvious, you know, now in looking at you putting it together, but it's, it took the vision and having the belief that this needs to, this can happen and it needs to happen much more than it can happen. Cause everything is like, Oh yeah, I got, I got a whole lot of ideas and, and, <laughs> and I got a, I got 55 domain names in, in AWS to, just in case, you know, that's, but that's, there you go no further than me buying a domain name and sitting on that sucker for 12 bucks a year. <laughs> the difference is that you took this and you said, we're ready, you know, and, and we're going to do this. And I love this idea. Like I talk in, I use rocketry references all the time. It's, it's like stage one, stage two rockets. Like they're, they're going to get dropped off. And that is the building phase. That is like what gets you to orbit is this incredible like thrust, knowing that at the moment they hit that altitude, they're like, you know, that's it. It's gone. And, and, and that stage one is did its job. And you know what we're going to do? You're going to strap that bad boy onto the next rocket <laughs> and you're going to do it again. And that's why those purpose built players that will get uncomfortable at that. Once they hit that altitude, they're like, you know, I, it was weird at first when I saw it happen, but I was enthralled by watching it occur where you see people that are like, it's getting a bit big here. You're like, there's 22 salespeople. This is not big. And they're like, no, big for me, man. I'm I'm like zero to 5 million. Like that's, yeah. once you hit a revenue number, they're like, I, I got to go. <laughs> that's such a good analogy, man. I'm stealing that. I'll give you credit twice, but then it's mine. That's an awesome analogy. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things. I so by the way, I've stolen that and I give you credit twice every time. That's my favorite. <laughs> I'm stealing that line. I'm gonna give you credit twice, but then it's mine. That's such a JR ism. Uh, I, I always love that. Now making the jump and finding the team to build shift group. Let's talk about the people behind it. Yeah, so um I do have I have two full-time guys already. Um, and they're both, they're both athletes, former athletes. Um, one's a hockey guy. Uh, you know, he, I think the reason he's good is cause he's, I found him at a time, like when I originally talked to him, he was looking to, to make the jump into tech. And then I started telling him what I'm building. And he's like, man, I, I would really like to do that. Like, I want to help guys like me. Right. So, you know, and he's phenomenal because he's going through, or has gone through that same transition very recently um, after playing professional hockey. My other guy is is awesome. He was a, a college football coach for like over a decade, um, and he was at a very big program at Michigan State as the recruiting coordinator. So he's been helping kids get you know go into that transition from high school yeah. to college, and 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 like that. The difference between high school football and a and a, a division one level like Michigan State is like you know that's like going from 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 amateur to pro big time, right? So like and those are I think 
you know, as I build out my team, those that those types of experiences that these guys have had are going to be really critical because I, I do believe you have to have some passion about helping somebody in order to make this work because, you know, obviously I'm not a 501c3, right? But at the end of the day, my goal, my only goal is to help somebody find something they love, help a company find a candidate they love and, and help them in that way. The, the, you know, the money will come when you help people, right? So I need to find guys and girls that are really passionate about helping people. And I think with the two that I've started with, I have that. And that's, that's, they're my models now, right? Like that's what I want to build off of, um, you know? And so that's, that's kind of how I think we're going to grow the business is continuing to bring in people like that. That's going to be critical. And I guess that's the ideal thing, you know, JR, I could do this all day and, and we're going to come back. Uh, you and I will talk a bit more about sort of the background because I didn't want to crunch it in and just yeah. make it 10 minutes of the story. I want to really like bring shift group to the front, uh, but your own, your own story and, yeah. and, and a lot of the stuff uh, that makes this, you know, obvious, but you know, is cool. And, and that's a really neat backstory that, that deserves more time. Uh, but what do people do if they want to get in touch and become part of the shift group? Absolutely. I mean, for sure. Like our big focus right now is finding some more companies. We have, you know, we've done a good job before launching the company, building partnerships with, you know, athletic departments, players, associations, teams, um, now, now we're looking to grow where we can put these, these elite athletes. So if, if anybody's looking for great people, they can find us at, uh, shiftgroup.io is the website. Um, and they, they can reach out directly to me, jr at shiftgroup.io. I think they should know when reaching out to me that I've, I've been in their seat. I know exactly where they're at. You know, I've seen companies from pre pre series a to series a, and then obviously with turbo from, from a to exit. So. Um, I've been through it all, um, and I know wh what they need, and I just want to help them. So, yeah, jr at shiftgroup.io is a perfect way to, to contact me, Eric. There you go. If you're in, if you're in venture, uh, this is the team you want building your team. So get on it, JR. <laughs> Thank you very much. This has been amazing, and uh, I wish you all the best. And I know that that's nothing more than me yelling from the sideline because I know you already you already got the playbook. So I'm just making sure that the playbook works, but I'm glad to be on the sideline and, and watch it occur. Eric, so good to catch up, man. Great to see you. Thank you so much for having me. This was an awesome conversation. I appreciate you. There you go, folks. J.R. Butler, get in touch. <laughs>